It's only a kick. A jump. A block. It's only a serve. It's only a tackle. A run. It's only for the fans. After all, it's only pressure. You got this. Adidas. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one McCrispy. So go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Another day is here, and you're ready for it. What to wear? Check. Breakfast, lunch, and dinner? Check. Planning for what's next and how to save for it? That's where Bank of America can help. For your financial to-dos, Bank of America has experts ready to help get you closer to your goals. Get started at one of our local financial centers or 24-7 in our mobile banking app. Find a location near you at bankofamerica.com slash talk to us. What would you like the power to do? Mobile banking requires downloading the app and is only available for select devices. Message and data rates may apply. Bank of America and a member FDIC. Hi, I'm Daniel, founder of Pretty Litter. Cats and cat owners deserve better than any old-fashioned litter. That's why I teamed up with scientists and veterinarians to create Pretty Litter. Its innovative crystal formula has superior odor control and weighs up to 80% less than clay litter. Pretty Litter even monitors health by changing colors to help detect early signs of potential illness. It's the world's smartest kitty litter. Go to prettylitter.com and use code SPOTIFY for 20% off your first order and a free cat toy. Terms and conditions apply. See site for details. Welcome to the Bike Radar Podcast, brought to you by the team behind BikeRadar.com, Cycling Plus, and MBUK magazines. If you enjoy this episode, please subscribe. And if you can do so, leave us a rating on your podcast provider of choice. It really helps us reach other cyclists like you. Hello, and welcome to today's episode of the Bike Radar Podcast, with me, George Scott, the Editor-in-Chief of Bike Radar. For this episode, we're bringing you a 15-minute chat with Nathan Haas, a former World Tour pro who this season has made the transition from the road to gravel racing. It's becoming a popular path for road pros enticed by the opportunity to test their mettle in this new and fast-evolving sector of the sport. Just look at the number of road pros who turned up to the inaugural UCI Gravel World Championships. After 10 years of riding at the highest level on the road for World Tour teams including Garmin, Dimension Data, Gatusha Alperson and Cofidis, Nathan switched to gravel racing at the start of 2022. Speaking outside the Ruler live show in London, where Nathan was present as an ambassador for Physique, he told me about the unique physiological, technical and tactical demands of gravel. We also discussed what he's learned in his first year competing at the sharp end of gravel events, how it compares to the road, his favourite races so far, his targets for 2023, and if you wait until the very end, his top tech tip for gravel racing. Now onto the podcast. Nathan, thank you very much for coming on the Bike Radar podcast. I'm very keen to talk to you about your transition from being a World Tour pro to a gravel rider and gravel racer. So can you tell me a bit more about that story and your new life as a gravel racer? Yeah, thanks for having me on the show. Um, Bike Radar's pretty rad, so thanks for having me on. Uh, Yeah, the transition's been... It's been interesting, for sure. It's been very natural, I have to say. You know, I was doing a lot of off-road riding. My background before road was mountain biking, so for me, I've always had a bit of a penchant to actually be off-road and I love the drift and everything that comes with the kind of pioneering lifestyle of it but um yeah you know in the in the last year of being a professional I had a my first child in uh in August and um you know for me as soon as she was born I was like I don't want to be on the road 150 days 180 days 
And, you know, at the time I felt like I wasn't that competitive anymore. I could do a good job, but the, the speed in the pelotons just changed a lot. The dynamic of it all, with young riders coming in, they don't need that experienced older guy anymore. They seem to just be rip, ripping, ready to go. And it just felt like a really natural thing for me. So when my daughter was born, we decided, well, I, I had the idea to maybe go across to gravel. And I, I called a good friend of mine, Steve Smith from Castelli, worked with them in the past and sort of entertained the idea with him. I was like, you know, I'm thinking about doing this. Um, do, do you think now is the right time? What do you think? Should I stay on road? And he was like, dude, we're in. And I sort of wasn't, exp it wasn't really a call to say, you know, do you want to do this together? It was more of a, an ideas, you know, a bit of a brainstorm. He's like, we're in, what do you need? Let's go. You're the right guy for it. Let's go a hundred percent. So uh, once I had Castelli on board as a, as a partner, um, you know, very legitimate big brand in the game, um, it, it became very easy actually to, to speak with other partners. You know, Colnago was on board also very early. So from there on, it was a launch pad. And then it was down to thinking about what my program can look like, how I'm going to approach this. And then also, you know, do I have, do I have the skills to be a gravel rider? And, you know, obviously I can do the off-road part, but how is it going to be transitioning from a physiological perspective? And that's, that's what this year has been about. It's been a big learning curve. There's been some, some, uh, some failures. There's been some success. You know, I won a beautiful race in Iceland this year and had, um, I think I had nine second places to, to riders that were just incredible at every race. And it was, it was just a bit of a shame, you know, that they had a, a higher level than I, but, uh, I've learned a lot about training and preparing for these events now. And next year I've got a, a very good plan for how I'm actually going to strategize my racing program, um, which races I'm going to target because the biggest thing I've learned this year is that just because it's on gravel doesn't mean it suits you. Some of these races are so inclined for, uh, for climbers. Uh, you know, some races are at altitude like SBT, which just choked me out. I think I had my best form of the season there, but uh, 10th was the best I could do because racing at 3,000 meters was just a, a whole other experience. Um, so yeah, going into next year, uh, I've learned a lot from this year and I'm just going to keep transitioning through. I don't think it's ever done. I think it's Gravel's a, a changing space anyway, um, and transitioning is, I think it'll be a long transition, but it's been great fun. Yeah, really interesting what you say from a physiological point of view, both as a former World Tour rider who's clearly putting on, uh, putting in incredible mileage, but also you personally and your physiology. You know, what suits you on the gravel scene? What kind of races have you really excelled at this year? Anything super technical. That's always been um, something I had a real feeling for as soon as I hopped on a gravel bike and... You know, Belgium off-ride this year, we had a group of like 40 um, and I attacked over the top of a climb onto this technical long descent. And by the end, I had 40 seconds on the entire group. Um, so I, I kind of attack on the downhills um, and I can really push. And, uh, you know, after that, I think a group of seven came across and that was the rest of the race. Um, so technical stuff is my favorite. I'm obviously fine at climbing. But it's once you get over that sort of 20, 30 minute mark for a climb is when these like real cardio boys come out. Um, I've always been more of a punchy ruler. So, you know, any, any race that's short and punchy. But I've also met some guys this year that are just even punchier than I am. So it's, it's interesting to kind of see it from a training perspective because uh, you don't win a race in gravel from, you know, one important moment in the race. It's, it's these long drawn out moments where actually it's very rarely an attack that wins. It's more that someone starts to put on the pressure a little bit harder at a moment when everyone's already a bit fucked. <laughs> Pardon my French, but that's really how it feels. You know, you're just in these moments where you're like, oh my God, this is insane. Someone just squeezes it a little bit harder and 
you don't really see someone attacking off the front. It's more people are dropping off the back. And then eventually there's a smaller group and someone might ride away, but it's not a formal attack. So, you know, I've stopped doing as many, you know, one minute, five minute efforts in training full gas. Now it's more like fatigue resistance and actually learning how to be on the gas all day because you never stop pedaling with gravel and the, just the physics of it with more friction with the tires. You're just, the chain tension is crazy all day. And when you download a power file, not that I'm a power guy in terms of looking at numbers, but the torque is more than anything I ever saw um, on a road race when I break it down. So yeah, it's my forte is definitely still being one of the punchier guys, but does your punch matter if you're not in the group anymore? That's the question. Life is a highway, and on it there will be many chicken sandwiches. But there's only one crispy. so go ahead and hit the turn signal if you know about this juicy gem of a detour. Allstate wants to remind fans that mayhem is everywhere. Like when your fantasy league meets up at your house. Everything's great until the hot plate gets too hot for the tablecloth. Now your kitchen's up in smoke. And if you don't have the right home insurance coverage, the cost to fix this is anything but a fantasy. So switch to Allstate, save money, and get protected from mayhem like this. Not available in every state. Based on coverage selected, subject to terms, conditions, and availability. Savings vary. Today, Healthier is happening at CVS Health in more ways than you've ever seen. It's wellness destinations for seniors, including select locations with Oak Street Health and CVS Pharmacy. It's doctors, nurses, pharmacists, and everyone in between, offering quality care and support virtually, in person, and on the phone. It's in-home evaluations through Signify Health and meeting mental health needs through Aetna. And those are just a few of the ways Healthier is happening. To see more, visit cvshealth.com slash healthierhappenstogether. CVS Pharmacy, Oak Street Health, CVS Specialty, Signify Health, and Aetna are part of CVS Health. Eligibility and services vary by location and individual. And we've, we've seen in, in the, the gravel scene, the gravel race scene, which is developing so quickly, uh, there's a different collection of riders in terms of background. At the, at the sharp end, you've got kind of former mountain bike specialists, you've got former road pros like yourself, you've got gravel-specific specialists. How do you find it kind of in that overall mix? Well, it's, it's still who's the strongest on the day, right? Um, you know, you've got some guys coming in like Nico Roach, who's got one of the biggest engines probably in gravel. But he really struggles on the technical stuff. So I think we're in a lot of trouble if he ever catches up, you know, if that delta closes between his skills and his fitness. But you know, you've also got guys like Keegan uh, in the States who you know, comes from a mountain bike background, but is also, you know, inarguably one of the strongest guys. You have someone like Stetner that had no mountain bike background or very limited, um, but he's managed to really close that delta and he's, he, he has very few weaknesses now. But then again, um, you know, he has to drop a guy like me because, you know, if I, if I find a small group sprint scenario in gravel, I was always a good sprinter on road. So um, th- there's so many dynamics that come into play, but also it's about bike management and tire management because, you know, if you get a flat tire, it's really game over and tire choice, tire pressure, all these things are actually a huge factor, um, more than I assumed it would be. So there's, there's a very simple view on gravel, but when you're actually in it, it becomes highly technical. I wanted to ask you just briefly about tactics. You've, you know, you've, you've clearly had a long career riding in, in teams and riding as a leader, as a teammate, uh, as a teammate and support rider for others. Talk to me a bit more about the, the, the tactics in gravel racing and, and kind of riding solo and almost on your own initiative and, and kind of reacting to what everyone else is doing. The, the one difference is that if someone makes a move, at the moment, there's very few teams playing team tactics so you know if someone's to go by themselves they have to really keep it on by themselves um, 
if you manage to join them, you all of a sudden become a team. It's a lot like breakaways. It's like breakaway racing, but all day. I think the dynamic is going to change eventually when more teams get involved. But you know, at the road at the gravel world championships, um, there was a Freudian slip calling it road world champs. <laughs> uh, you know, it kind of sucked because Italy had uh, you know ten guys there, and they literally blocked the road every time an Italian went off the road. So individual riders were trying to close down. A situation and then if we tried to attack across a whole team came with you and sat on you so it kind of sucked to see team tactics like that coming into gravel but what do you expect when roadies come on road bikes to gravel worlds you know you can't you can't expect much different but for the real gravel racing um I'm not saying roads is the the worlds is not real gravel racing it's just it's just its own format and it's going to be a standalone race and event type each year which i also look forward to going back to i had a great time but um the the tactics it's it's very intuitive and it also comes down to the legs that you have. It's, it's very rare that you actually decide not to go with a move. It's more that you can't do it anymore. And then you're trying to find a group that can hopefully bring that back and hope that there's not too much uh, cooperation in front, but it tends to be in gravel that groups work together, chasing and staying away. So it's tactically, it's, I wouldn't call it simple, um, but the, the real reality is that the win comes often from the strongest rider that doesn't have a bike problem. Well, that's what I was going to ask you next about, uh, next about your, your, your tech. And you've mentioned some of the partners you've worked with, Caselli and, and Cornago, and you've had some very cool Cornago bikes to, to ride this year in custom paint jobs. So can you kind of talk us through your overall setup for, for this year? Yeah, I think first and foremost is the, the Cornago bike. We've had so much fun building five different colorways this year and it's been fun to actually get on the creative side designing and storytelling and and i think being with a, a brand like colnago it's it's basically an artwork and a bike at the same time so it's been really fun to be part of these projects where we get to bring back some of the old history we did a, a modern olympic remake for kansas uh, and for me you know we pulled out the old stencils from the original stuff in the 90s to actually go onto the bike and Gravel is a fun space for traditional brands to actually become a little bit more creative because it's it's a space that is allowed to be disruptive and, and it's been great for the brand, but also just for me, it's been a lot of fun. The bike's great, um, but components are a huge thing in gravel as well. And Campag, they've got a new gravel-specific wheel, the Levante, which has been totally game-changing for me. Like, I'm just ripping down descents like I couldn't before because these wheels are just insane. But then also, um, you know, there's been a lot of talk why they haven't gone electric yet with the gravel, but I don't want it to go electric because I'm a pioneer. When I'm at a race, I'm by myself. I'm pulling a bike out of a bike bag, building it up myself, tuning what I can, and I'm not a computer engineer. If something goes wrong with an electric group set and I don't have a mechanic, it's like, the hell am I going to do? So for me, having a mechanical group set, the 13 speed, one by, it just makes everything simple. And for me, it's like the, the, the less things that can actually go wrong uh, the better. So for me, winning a gravel race is about not having problems. So I, I had the option to choose sort of between different group sets this year and I actually chose to go with Campag and now we've got a wonderful partnership where we're doing lots of cool stuff and doing a lot of product testing for them and they've got big things coming into the future but at the same time I'm just so happy that we're just keeping it simple with mechanical and um, it's, just, it's just wonderful. So that's been fun but also being with Castelli again, we're designing jerseys for each bike and Again, it's like, you know, when you're on the road, you're very constrained by what your team is doing, how it looks. And, you know, there's this point every season where they unveil the kit for the next year and everyone's nervous because you're like, 
if this looks bad, I have to wear this thing for a whole year. Like, this is going to be insane. And there's UCI rules about changing kit halfway through the season. And for what it's worth, we can just design something tomorrow and wear it the next day at a race. So it's, it's just been fun to kind of shake up the paradigm of pro cycling. And um, we're not trying to make gravel too pro. But at the same time, there is a real professional aspect to it, which I also love to stay in that headspace of thinking about performance, about winning, about racing, but at the same time, having a beer after the race and chilling out. And, and just briefly before we, we wrap up, you've mentioned tyre choice and also luck when it comes to punctures in, in, in gravel racing. And, you know, how have you learned this year around, you know, what you need from a tyre and tyre pressure in particular and how to kind of make those judgments from a race-by-race basis? Yeah, look, it's hard. It's a big question. You know, all the riders were texting each other the day before. What are you running? What are you running? And, uh, and there's, a, there's a bit of people holding back, but mostly people are really transparent, saying this is why, this is why. And But ultimately, it comes down to how you ride the bike. You know, you can ride over a rock smoothly or smash into it. And um, one of my pitfalls sometimes pushing downhills too much to try to make time or put climbers under pressure that don't have the skills is, yeah, you can run awry and then you have to pull out your plugs quickly and try to get it running and so it matters what tires you're on but it also more importantly it actually matters how you ride and you know a guy like Nico Roach has had quite a few flats this year when I was on the same tires and I didn't flat because I know how to be supple and soft on my bike so it comes down to like pilot error but at the same time um, you know like worlds guys were on 32 mil tires and I, I stuck OG gravel I went 38s because I thought you know fuck it it's gravel world it's like don't come here on a road bike this is gravel world it's like be cool be real but at the end of the day I also paid for that because I had a lot more friction and um, you know I, I felt when we were going fast on the flat like they were spinning and I was really happening to push on the gear so um, it matters choice matters weather matters pilot error matters um, but ultimately it's you know there's a lot of good tyre brands it's just finding the one that you like, and I think that's the key. But the one thing I'll give to anyone for advice is get tire liners. If you have the foam liners in your rims, you can run a lot lower pressure, less chance of flatting, and you also have less chance of breaking your wheel. So there, there you go. Is. Exclusive pro tip. And what, what has been your um, go-to tire this year? Uh, I'm with Vittoria, and I use the Terreno Dry in the 38. And I had options to use everything all year, and there wasn't a single race I didn't use that same tire. So. I think that was probably the most popular tyre at the Gravel Worlds from, from what we saw. Well, everyone that won a race there was on that tyre, so, but they all used smaller than I, so maybe that was my mistake. <laughs> and just finally, because I know you, you need to get going, what can we expect from you next year? Uh, a lot of racing, um, hopefully making some more content that you know, I hope just inspires people to ride a bike. I'm not, I'm not there to necessarily shape what people buy. Um, you know, it's, it's nice for me to be able to show what I use and how I use it. And I, and I hope some people um, can learn from that. But ultimately, I, I like teaching people how to enjoy their gravel experience to the max. Um, so, you know, I, I aim to win races. I aim to be at a lot of races. But more than anything, I just aim to have fun and always have a smile. Is there one race you'd really love to win next year or go well at? Uh, I would like to win a race in the States. I think, um, you know, that's, that's really where the highest level of gravel is in terms of how many good riders are at each race. I think the World Cups here in Europe are... I think there's some better athletes here in Europe. The races are definitely harder and faster. But in terms of, uh, in terms of just the prestige, I think the American races and I think the, the Belgian Waffle Rides, they're my favourite race organiser enterprise. Unbound is a little bit just shit. It's 10 hours 
too far. You got to be there. I'd like to win it, but I think um, too much focus is on that race, and I, I actually prefer the fun and the technical side of the Belgian waffle rides. Brilliant. Well, we wish you all the best for next year, and really appreciate you coming on the podcast. No worries. Thanks, man. Thanks for listening to the Bike Radar Podcast. If you've not done so already, please subscribe and share with your friends, or leave us a rating if you've enjoyed this episode. 